1: is your organization a talent magnet is your culture the envy of the business market top organizations need top leaders make sure that you are that leader this show will ensure that you are welcome to i lead the leadership connection with dr linda sharkey leaders today are more than just results They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your
2: host, Dr. Linda Sharkey. Welcome, I'm Linda Sharkey. I'm your host of I Lead the Leadership Connection, and I'm very appreciative that you're here and listening to me today. Uh, I am on my way to Dubai on Sunday. I'm going to be the keynote speaker, among other things, at the uh, Asherm. Uh, Arabic, Society for Human Resource Management. And I'm excited to speak there because I just recently i am going to be, we are, myself and Marag Barrett are writing uh, a new book about uh, the future of work and the 21st century factors affecting the future of work that everybody is going to have to deal with in some form or fashion. And uh, so I'm going to be talking about that at the conference. Um, the book is going to be coming out next year uh, with Wiley Press. And we're very excited to be writing it. It's, it's a real challenge and and a lot of fun. And Dubai is such a great and interesting place. Uh, this is uh, not, I've been there numerous times now. And what's so interesting about it, it's a country that essentially, um, has come up in 20 years, and they really have an opportunity in uh, the United Arab Emirates and the GCC to take all of the great experiences from uh, Western organizations that have had massive uh, conglomerates and companies um, with backgrounds and experiences in industrialization and shed some of those legacy experiences from the 21st century, from the 20th century, excuse me, and to really create organizations for the 21st century. What's so exciting, too, when you're here, is that you begin to see there are more than 29 different countries represented in the workforce in many of the organizations in uh, Dubai, Uh, A lot of youth, a lot of different cultures, and a lot of different things that that businesses and leaders have to shape that's going to create, frankly, the kind of leadership that we're going to need in organizations for the 21st century. So it's going to be a very interesting experience. Um, I was recently there speaking to the Department of Human Resources, talking about how to shape human resources for the 21st century. So stay tuned. I'll be uh, doing a show from there with a gentleman named Bruce Talgan, uh best-selling author, has been writing books uh, since uh, 1995, around uh, youth in the workplace, and his most recent book is around the Millennials, and it's a very exciting, very exciting show. So I hope you will stay tuned and tune into that. Today, however, I'm most excited to have the folks that I do. I recently interviewed Jim Ludema, who is the director for the Center of Value-Driven Leadership at Benedictine University. and. Benedictine, for many of you know, is my, uh, alma mater, and I was one of the first graduating classes there to get a PhD in organization development. It was clearly for me a life-changing experience. And, um, Jim and I talked about, I've, I've known Jim for, a, for quite a number of years. In fact, I remembered when he was first hired at Benedictine, and, and then he started this center, which has had a wonderful impact on the business world. But, you know, values, to me, are such an essential point. I've been talking about values for years now and why they are more important than competencies, uh, which the 20th century organizations are littered, particularly technology companies, with competencies for all levels, all functions, that frankly, in my mind, are somewhat of a waste of time. So when I was talking to Jim, he went through how you drive values into the fabric and the DNA of your organization. I said, so tell me about some people who have really taken this into their workplaces, who've really made a difference, who've graduated from your program and made a difference in their companies. And he gave me what he said were uh, several of his best uh, students and best examples who have graduated from the program. The first one is Anna Amato. And Anna started her own company in the education area, chartered schools, um, and is CEO of EdTech Central. And she's done some really phenomenal things to advance education in areas that are relatively difficult to do or have traditionally been difficult to do. And we also have Lee Murphy, who is CEO of Integrated Care Management. Again, another healthcare industry which is dramatically changing, uh, dramatically facing massive um, transformation. I would say, in in light of all of the uh, federal healthcare changes, laws, etc. And these are two people who have taken values and made them part of the fabric of their companies that they lead. So welcome, Anna. Welcome, Lee. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your very busy days to join me
3: uh, on the show. It's good to be here, Linda. Thanks for inviting me. Great. And Lee, you there? Good. I'm here. Thank
2: you. So let's... But good. I'm glad. So so let's start with what what made you you know Benedictine has uh, two actually PhD programs I believe one is in an OD and the other one is 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 in values they're very similar and interlocked. But what made you personally gravitate to the values aspect of furthering your uh, your education? I mean neither one of you or uh, don't have anything else to do with your time. You've got busy. Um, Pithy, powerful jobs. What made you go in that direction? I'll start with you, Anna.
3: Um. Okay. Well, as I shared with you when we we first met, Linda, I was looking for a PhD program in particular for so many years, and knew I couldn't really do a PhD in the bedroom or online, so to speak. And I had clicked to the web page that the center had put out when they first launched the program. And within literally seconds, I knew this was the program for me. You know, I wasn't sure of all the details or what it cost. It happened to be in Chicago, so a bit in my backyard being from the Detroit area. And, and just the, that it was focused on values and its mission and objectives were just so clear, it engaged me and that determined my decision. So it wasn't like I was looking for a values-driven program with that title in it. It just happened to connect to me right off the bat. you know that was just that one page.
2: Yeah, I kind of spoke to you. you know it's interesting that you you know you say that. I was uh, one of the first students I flew every other weekend from um, Newark, New Jersey to Benedictine because I lived on the East Coast. So Detroit seems like a hop skip and a jump to, to me, but good for you that was a, that was a lot of work to do that. Lee, what about you? What, what resonated with you on this um, in this program?
4: So, for me, if you would have asked me 10 minutes before I picked up the alumni magazine from Benedictine that described this program, if I was going to go back and get a Ph.D., I would have said no. I don't have the time, and it wouldn't add value. And then I picked up that magazine, and i actually probably the first one I've picked up in 10 years, so there must have been a reason. Opened it up, I read the article, put it down mentioned it to my wife mentioned it 3 days later and she said wow you must be interested and I said I think I am and I trust my intuition and so I made a phone call and you know I I hate to call a phd an impulse purchase but <laughs> there was so, there was something in how it was described and what it was about and who I am that it almost felt like I didn't have a choice it's really where I wanted to be
2: yeah, it's so interesting. Um, it's it's it, one of the things that I loved about Benedictine and its students, is that you know these are none of the students are fresh out of uh, graduate school, uh, getting a master's or anything. They're all people who have worked um, a long time. And I found my personal experience was that I found the students equally as interesting as the uh, faculty and the and the discussion we had. So tell me you know Lee how did it add value to you how has it brought value to you as a ceo
4: the most succinct answer i can give you is that it reinfused for me a deep level of passion and excitement about growing my business
2: wow that's that's really great and and how did it help you grow your business
4: so what it did is it invited me to reflect on who I am as a leader and what is important to me. It provided a mirror for me to be able to get feedback both from professors and from other students and colleagues um, about where I am good as a leader, where I might have some developmental opportunities, and it provided for me an opportunity to engage in some leadership, if you will, even within our cohort group that was part of what helped energize me and get me excited about coming back to business. And so we've gone from being a business that was moving along and not focused on growth to a business that is absolutely now focused on scaling, but scaling to magnify our impact as opposed to scaling for a financial ideal.
2: Wow. And that's a powerful statement, scaling for impact, not finance. I love that. So, Anna, how about you? How is it how has it added
3: value uh, to you? Um, I think the most important thing that having a focus on values did for my small company, which was like in a state of growth period, really while I was undertaking my PhD, um, is, is that it did help focus all of our energy on on the people and the relationships which for us is more complex because um, maybe similar to Lee's company, our outcomes are in what happens to the students that we serve. So we're not manufacturing a product, and you can't tweak a process. So values and relationships and interactions are everything. So a focus on our values really brought us together around conversations of how we wanted to do things better for our students and better for each other, which is way different than having a conversation about how to improve the curriculum planning process for a group of teachers. You see, that's that's just so uh, mechanical, I would say, and not really of, of any kind of purposeful meaning. So that might be something you might learn at an at outside workshop somewhere. So the focus on values really, really brought home the, the purpose behind the people in our organization. Yeah, I love that word, purpose, because I think that's really going to be a key driver
2: for the 21st century. So how did you uh, use the values? How did you begin infusing it in,
3: in what you did? Um, so first we took a complete step away from the concept of mission, which prior to, like five years before I started schooling, we were very focused on mission because in order to actually get a charter school in Michigan and probably elsewhere in the country, you had to define the mission of the particular school. Now, we manage several different programs that maybe have a little bit different missions because the student populations vary, but we, we, I was feeling lost at that point that we were having to describe missions that other people would approve or not approve or sounded good, and and so, so I decided just, we're gonna let go of focus on mission. Uh, because values seem to make more sense. And uh CEO really helped me learn that during my research when he said, you know, when you go to date somebody or choose a friend or a long-time partner, um, you don't ask them what their mission in life is. You, you sort of explore what their values are. So so I gathered up my company and started having conversations with them about some of the things I was learning and being exposed to in my, in my um, coursework. So hold hold
2: that thought, Anna. We're going to be coming back uh, right after break. And hold that thought, because we're going to be talking more about how you've begun to, um, both of you, how you've begun to apply this, how you've used it. And and I love the points that you're making around, you know, it's so much more powerful talking about purpose and values than it is mission. Anyway, stay with us. We're talking to Anna Amada and lee murphy both ceos of uh, companies who have been applying values for greater impact not just financially
5: it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that have done right really do make good leaders great if you want a no-nonsense practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results contact linda today visit lindasharkey.com again that's lindasharky.com.
5: game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational exciting and disruptive for a reason They shake up your status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Wednesdays, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time for our special series on Game Changing HR Leaders. Learn how you can become the savvy leader who takes your company across the finish line as you look ahead to the next wave of business innovation. Game-Changing HR Leaders, presented by SAP and America's SAP Users Group. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
1: You are tuned in to iLead, the leadership connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag ILEADTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to ILEAD, The Leadership Connection.
2: Welcome back, I'm Linda Sharkey, your host, and I have with me today Anna Amato and Lee Murphy, both CEOs of uh, significant companies in the Midwest area, and we were talking about how you go about infusing values uh, into your organization, and Anna, you were were sort of giving me the the flavor of of what you did there. Can you sum it up for me and for our listeners?
3: Sure. Sure. So as we moved away from mission and moved towards values, you know, the first most important thing is identifying what those values might be. And as the founder of the company, I I couldn't ignore the fact that some of those values were probably going to have to be mine or would be in concert or congruent with mine. So... um, I, you know, I worked with the groups and teams across the company, whole, everyone at the same time, which I have about 70 employees, and then we'd break into small groups and then, um, identify the values, clarify the values, define the values, and, and then communicate those values. So those few things I just laid out happened over a very long period of time, like a year and a half, almost, almost two years. And, and it was within that time frame that our values, Sort of formed into, or I would say, emerged as practices and as sort of defining expectations, or more culturally based and embedded in the company. Wow, that's great. That's a great story. And
2: two years. Do you, do you think it could have been done any faster? Or?
3: Um, well, I'm not sure if it could have been done faster. We probably could have done some things differently, but a, a lot a lot of the things I was trying in terms of the communication of the values was, you know, basically trial and error um, and Mm. sort of responding to how teammates around me responded to me. So it was very dynamic and very fluid. Um, And and then at at one point, it did become uh, that aha moment, I guess, for me was when uh, we were having a particular session and somebody summed up the values like in one sentence. And then that became our values statement. So the, the wow. values we settled sure. on were five Yeah, five core values we settled on, and, and, and we actually ranked the values. So our values have meaning in a particular order, which this is what gave way to the sentence, and um, I explained to people, new people coming in, because we use this as a hiring tool, we use it as a conversation tool, we use it as a problem-solving tool, is um, if we're not hitting upon all five of those values and something we're trying to overcome or accomplish... Then we probably aren't going to be able to overcome or accomplish that.
2: So, yeah, wow, that's a great that's a great statement. And and I'm sure that part of that year and a half, two year process was really, you know, getting people comfortable and having that dialogue because you can't fast you can't fast track this stuff. I don't think. Lee, how did you begin to infuse the values into your organization?
4: Well, that's an interesting question for me because. The, the values of our organization are embedded in what we do, and so what I found was that the people who were attracting to come work for us, the people who are excelling, and the people that are really enjoying what we do are people that are aligned with the values. It's only been recently that we've actually sat down brought the whole organization together to reflect on what we do differently to say, let's distill this into core articulated values so that we can describe what we do better because as I mentioned before we're getting ready to really move into a growth mode and part of that is we have to figure out how to articulate who we are and so our values have really just been central to how we've always operated and so it's a little bit different of an answer and we're doing similar to what Anna did as far as laying out the values. And we have them, and they're in rank order and the other. But it's totally embedded in everything that we do.
2: Yeah, that's, that's interesting. So you had them, but then you revisited them, and you, you, you shaped them and continue to shape them, which I think is, is pretty exciting. Let me ask you, how do you make sure people live them? And what do you do if they don't, Lee? Oh, wow.
4: So we make sure people live them by virtue of feedback from our, we call them participants as opposed to patients. So feedback from the population that we serve, uh, impact on the population that we serve, and then feedback from team members and and managers. What what do we do when somebody doesn't live the values? We do the same thing that other organizations do. We First, we have a conversation. If we need to have a corrective action plan put together, we do. And on occasion, we ask people to find an organization that would be aligned with who they are better than we are.
2: Yeah, that's so interesting. And, you know, that's not uh, you would probably be surprised, but that's not necessarily what other organizations do. I have worked with many organizations that will say, oh, well, that's the best nurse we have. And even though she's toxic and doesn't live the values, she's an expert in the field and we have to keep her. Or we have this doc who's, you know, a great research scientist. And these are major hospitals. These are places that I would tell you you would, you would know who they are. And, and- uh, you know, so it's. Not all leaders have the courage to, say, find a place that is uh, more consistent with your values than, than here. So I applaud you for that. How about you, Anna? What what do you do when, uh, how do you make sure that people live the values and what do you
3: do when, when they don't? Um, so the first thing that I do in, in trying to make the values be alive and be evident in practice is to um follow them myself in a way where I'm self-commenting on when they have meaning for me in a conversation or a situation. So when I'm coaching with my superintendent, um, and and maybe she's come to me with um, um, how to improve a particular staff person's performance in a particular area, um, or have to have a tough conversation with someone, I'll I'll always say, okay, so what value are we talking about and how will you form the conversation with that staff member around the value? And and in fact, we have had um, a couple of occasions where we've had really, really exceptional subject matter teachers, is how I'll call them, who did not really embrace the values of cooperation, which is a really important one for us based on the work we do, across with their teammates. And so no matter how good they might have been performance or skill-wise as a teacher in their subject area... They, they were so in violation of the other values that they, they were toxic to the team in the long run. And and for us, anything toxic to the team, which we care about first, is toxic to our students. And, and so we have to, you know, help them find a, another location to where they can be a teacher, an environment that would maybe value that as, as opposed yeah. to us. I can't imagine I a,
2: a, a, an environment that would really value that, but, you know, especially when you're teaching, you know, kids. But maybe there is, you know. You you don't know. You don't know. Those are two great uh, stories. Um, tell me, uh, what were some of the challenges, Anna, that, that you faced?
3: Um, okay, so... Some of the challenges were identifying those first, the values up front. And there were many, 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 few rainstorming sessions of 20, 30, 30 values that folks wanted to put on a list. And so that, being patient with that and not leaping towards any particular values just because they sounded good or some other company had them. So, so that was a challenge, being patient with ourselves through the process. Um, I think we clarified the values. So but we didn't just stick with just words, and we just didn't give a definition for the word. Over time, we, we defined what the value meant, and then we summed it up with how it related to what we actually did in action or behavior. So uh, we say we behaviorized the values sort of in a philosophical way, but in writing. Um, communicating the values over time, that, that's always a challenge. So it's still a challenge for us, And, you know, we're a small company and our resources are limited. We deal with public funds and education. So, you know, we don't can't generate profit just out of the blue. Um, So making sure that they're communicated over time and that they're shared and that they're shared with, you know, new staff coming in. Um, And then actually truly using those values to hire people in. So that was sort of the last thing that came into being where people would really trust as they were, screening and hiring and identifying new people to come to the team, that they would focus on values as opposed to skill set. So um, those are those our, our main challenges as I think about it.
2: Well, you know, I I have to actually commend you because, um, you know, getting a brainstorm list down to five that were really meaningful, having done similar things, that's really tough because everybody wants to have, you know, like, oh, we have to have this one and we have to have that one. So really working to get uh, people down to five really critical values. And then I think. The other thing I'd like to underscore is that you put them into behavioral terms so people understood what they looked like in action because you can't expect, you know, a word is a word unless you help people really see what it means from a behavior point of view. So I think that's really great. We're gonna be hearing from Lee about his challenges when we come back from break. So stay with us. We're talking to Anna Amata, uh, CEO of EdTech and Lee Murphy, CEO of Integrated Care Management and uh, having a great conversation on how to make values live in the workplace.
5: America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
1: Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com.
5: Does your organization lack proper leadership? Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America
1: you are tuned in to i lead the leadership connection to speak to dr linda sharkey or her guest please call in to 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 or you can tweet the show at hashtag i lead tlc We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection.
2: Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host. And we're having a very interesting conversation about values. I was talking to Anna about some of the challenges that she had and making her organization a value-centric organization. And Lee, what what was the biggest challenger that, that, that you had in that regard?
4: You know, when I think about the biggest challenge related to values, it actually would have come at a time, oh, maybe four years ago or so, where we had a business was struggling, and I had an opportunity that, somebody would relieve the struggle and, and, and would have taken something that had never turned a profit and remove all of our liability and let us gracefully back out of it and shift our business. And I spent about a week, I had a week to make the decision and I, I took the full week and on the the last night after finishing all of it, all of the SWOT analysis, all the financial metrics, they all pointed one direction. And yet I still couldn't Quite go there, and then I finally decided. Okay, I'm going there. This is this makes sense, and it really would have shut down what is now our clinical business. Mm. And I made the decision. I said, Okay, I can sleep now, and I went to bed. My eyes never closed. And I got up and I said, You know what? The problem was the decision was right on all the financial models, and it was absolutely incongruent with our values. Wow! And so. I sat with it some more and said, you know what, basically threw the financials away and said, the worst that happens is we go out of business. But you know what, let's go out of business and go out of business doing what we think is right. And so we did that and, you know, it was the best decision I've made because we're here, we're thriving, and we're helping people transform their lives.
2: Wow. You know, that took a lot of courage to do that, Lee. That took a lot of courage. So I applaud you. And not only that, it was obviously the right decision because, as you say, you know, you're flourishing today. So what has been the qualitative and quantitative impact, Lee, that you've seen from being really
4: values-focused? So well, the Quantitative impact to date has been we've come through a period of significant change. Four years ago, I challenged the organization to take 80% of the time out of what we do and try to only impact our outcomes by 20%. And as we went through that process, and they, and truly, the organization looked at me like I had a screw loose. Um, I'm sure they did. But as, but as we went through that piece, um The organization also figured out how not to have the traditional lag that happens before a big or during a big change, figured out how to work through it. It wasn't clean or simple, and we're still working through some of it. But the, the quantitative pieces is we did improve while we were going through significant change. And that is because of the values. Of the change methodology that we use, we picked the change methodology that's aligned with who we are. We used appreciative inquiry. And I love appreciative inquiry. We, we, we took that and we and we and we continue to drive that methodology through the through the process. And so our quantitative metrics, financial metrics, uh, new business metrics, things like that, continued to improve. The qualitative, I'm actually going to say, was a change that happened last year, where. As we really started to try to position for the long-term scaling, because of our values and because of what we do and our focus is impact first, um, looking at financials as a secondary piece, I was able to go out and recruit two young senior executives who were both willing to take a significant personal financial reduction because they wanted to be with an organization that was values-based, that was doing work, that was having a positive impact in the world, and they were excited to be able to be a part of something they could really see their footprint on.
2: Wow, that's really uh, that's really fascinating. That's great. I, I, I love appreciative inquiry. Uh, uh, David Cooprider was on my uh, uh, dissertation committee. Uh, I think he's phenomenal. So that's a great story. Uh, Anna, how, how about you? What What... Um, how has it impacted from a qualitative and quantitative perspective?
3: Um, so in either of those categories I'll start with qualitative first um, I, I think most of the impacts would be anecdotal at this point um, separate from of course surveys that we would do so surveys of our client satisfaction our employee satisfaction starting there and um, have shown that we rank above all other industries when we take the same survey that's administered to thousands of organizations across the nation. So that was a big change from the first five years of our um, organization's creation and, and being to you know the second phase of the second five years where early on those scores weren't so consistent. It's like 98% of the participants um, ranked us at and above benchmark in every single category but two and the two categories were pay scale which we don't have much control over on our financial end of it um, and time for professional development so when I looked at all the 30 other categories I thought wow we're doing a great job um, but quantitatively you shouldn't I'm feel confused. bad about the pay scale yeah. by the way because pay
2: scale is always rated low everybody
3: everybody always says that so but yeah that's about Sorry. it yeah right asked about it, people are, I have an opportunity to say they, they wish they made more money. Um, right. Quantit- um, quantitatively, we look at student results, and, and so we take some credit for our student results, even though we work in cooperation with agencies that are providing rehabilitation, re- rehabilitative treatment to our students. Um, our, we have a 10-year history now at one school and lots and lots of academic and academic growth data, attendance data, graduation data for students that otherwise would never have graduated from high school and so those criteria and benchmarks have steadily increased year after year after year after year and then so we're producing some amazing results the teams are at the schools uh, after you know that went up a whole bunch after we took the steps to really focus in on our values So that would that would be mostly our quantitative data in terms of profit for the company itself, because EdTech manages its own finances and then finances on behalf of other public schools. When we're able to run positive and healthy balances on on the state dime, we think we're doing a really good job. And so we have that data that supports what we're doing um, is making sense internally in the company. Then our own profits are only based on what we can afford after the fact. Um, We. The last two years, we've actually lost some money in that regard, um, but that's because decisions that we've made on where to invest our funds and how to keep going and, and who to keep around it ha- has, have been made based on values and not based on profit. So as long as we're able to always make um, separate payroll on the company side of things, then I'm always willing to take a loss for the interim and, you know on behalf of the long-term goal. So for yeah. some of the short-term the-
2: Short-term yeah. loss for long-term gain. That's 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 great, Anna. Quickly, uh, what was a, a great aha for you in applying values at work? I I, I know you said aha and in patience, but um,
3: what was a, a greatest aha? Um, probably one of the greatest aha is one a student during a graduation ceremony was having a conversation with his mother and talking about how. Um, a decision was made in the classroom and that that, that the paraprofessional had been sharing with them about values and how the decision was made. And the student was reiterating it in a way that it became clear to me that they understood it too and had actually bought into us having a values-driven climate all the way right down to the classroom level. So that was a huge aha moment and in a very... um, um, a uh, worthwhile moment to me, yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, absolutely concrete and worthwhile. That's that's uh, very, very exciting. I, I love that. Uh, Lee, big aha for you in applying values
4: at work. Big aha for me was relatively recently, after we had rank-ordered our values, organization come into a very complex decision. And trying to wade through it, and then saying, wait, and then, and then using the values in their ranked order to create the guiding light to actually simplify the decision.
2: Yeah. Did it simplify the decision?
4: Absolutely, it did. Because, yes, there were all kinds of inherent paradoxes in what we were dealing with, but not when you said, but Wait top value is compassion. How do we work with that? We don't let go of the others, but how do we work with it? Yeah, that's, that's
2: really terrific. I mean, it's, it's, it gives you chills when you see something like that and see it affect your, you know, your students, as you say, and, and, you know, really help you make a decision more quickly around compassion. That's great. Uh, Lee quickly for you. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk. Values are not new, as we all know. You can pick up a million books, leadership books, on you know how important values are and all of that other kind of stuff. And, you know, you walk into a lot of companies that have values on the walls and, you know, mission, vision, all that other kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, we talk about, about them a lot in the 20th century. But what's different about them now and what you're doing?
4: Boy, what I think what's different now is both the speed and level of transparency in all mm-hmm. of our interactions, what we do with each other, what we're doing with our clients, has massively changed. And so it's like there's a camera always on. And that, yeah. has, that and that has made operating congruently with your values that much more important.
2: Yeah, and you know, people know when you're not operating with values more so now than they than they ever did before, and they're willing to call it great point. Uh, Anna, you have any quick insight on that for yourself as well?
3: I think we just hit the nail on the head on that one. It it's that um, the the values are really what you're doing, and and do underlie your behaviors, and so processes and mission and and goals and objectives and all that language is is just language on a piece of paper or on the wall. Um, when when you start tackling tough questions and decisions and 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 you ask the question, okay, what values does this have have to do with, then you are you can get to to the right answer, the right answer in the right way if you're gonna look at the values. Yeah. Great.
2: Great point. You know, LinkedIn, I was just uh, talking to somebody who was the head of sales there, said, you know, they start out, even every meeting that they have, they don't talk the financials like most companies do. They talk the values and the culture. Very, very important piece. Stay with us. We're talking to Anna Amada and uh, Lee Murphy. We're talking about values. And we have a question in uh, from the field for both of you, which we're going to tackle when we get back from break.
1: Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit LyndaSharky.com. Again, that's LyndaSharky.com.
5: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market
0: us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
1: You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag TLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to ILEAD, the Leadership Connection.
2: Welcome back. Sharkey, we're talking to uh, Lee Murphy and Anna Amato CEOs of uh, two significant companies and uh, the question that came in I'll, I'll, I'll address this to you uh, first Anna is you know, what advice do you have for leaders who are trying to build values driven organizations
3: um, Sure I, I think the first thing is to know and find your own humility is to be humble um, I think you have to come from a place of humility before you take any steps in, in terms of exploring values for your company and yourself. Um, and so with that in mind, you know, one, you need to know your own values very deeply. So you have to be mindful and self-aware and, and not afraid to explore. Um, two, I think you have to be very deliberate in your learning and attentiveness to others around you who are doing this work with you. Um and, and allow them the opportunity to share and, and define and express and feel and sense and comment on their values. Um, three, you have to take deliberate steps to enable followers and leaders across all levels of the organization, no matter how big or small, to participate in the real important work of you know, values work and values creation and values practices. Um, and fourth, you have to be sure to put in place the support and real resources that put in place mechanisms and processes. In order to embed this for real, you have to dedicate the time and resources to it. So, And and the communication tools as well and patterns to make explicit the values of the organization so that they do, in fact, become part of all your processes and day-to-day interactions across the company. Um, And then five, I guess that leads to hiring people with values. So you have to do that. Take steps to attract and retain those with with same or similar values, and get quickly get rid of people whose values do not align.
2: You know, it's it's your your answer just strikes me as is it's such a essential uh, part of what a leader does and what a leader has to do in order to have a great values driven organization. Lee, what what's your perspective here? What what's your advice?
4: You know, um, know yourself same as where Anna started. So become holistically congruent. It's not about spin. It's about how you breathe. Do that across all your life. Engage from a place of service and joy. Be willing to lead from your vulnerability. And if you can do that, life actually becomes a lot easier.
2: Yeah, I love that. Um, service and joy, I mean, there's a guy, uh, I, you, you may know him, actually, um, Richard Sheridan. He's the CEO of Menlo uh, Innovations, and he wrote the book Joy, Inc. And, you know, that's really what he's tried to create at his workplace, as a workplace of joy, and, a, and it's widely written about and clearly is. Those are great points. One last thought for our audience. Lee, one, one last thought that you'd like to share or impart.
4: Step forward and go boldly and do it, as Anna said, with humility. Values will help you get to where you'd like to go.
2: It's a, that's, a, that's a wonderful statement, and it's so counter to, you know, many leaders out there were not brought up to be humble. Um, and it's hard to do for some people. So, Anna, your, your final thought.
3: Well, what comes to mind for me is that change always precedes the insight. So, you know, don't wait for the next fad and don't wait for the next help book. Now, that reading is not a good thing. It is, but um, if you really sincerely want to explore this, as Lee says, just go forward and do it. Um, and And you will then become insightful about the changes that are occurring around you.
2: Yeah, that's really, really, really important. Well, it sounds to me like this uh, PhD has paid off wildly for the for the two of you. And I think that's a very uh, exciting thing. And it's so wonderful to hear from significant leaders like yourself of, of how you've made this into really part of who you are. And it, it's not easy, as both of you have said, to dig down and be congruent with the values that you really have it's easy to spout what values you think you have uh, but it's a whole other matter to make sure that your beliefs your actions your thoughts uh, how you treat people are really congruent with that and that is very hard to do so I commend the two of you I know why Jim Ludema now suggested that you two uh, should be on the show. So I thank you very much for being on today. And it was great to meet you and Lee. Great to meet you as well. And uh, just wonderful to have you both on the show. And I thank you so much for taking your time to do it.
4: It's been a privilege. Thank
3: you. Wow. Great. Go ahead. Anna, just, you were going to say It's been my honor. Yeah, it's been my honor to participate, and I look forward to having more conversations with you, Linda, especially about your church yes. in Dubai.
2: Yes, and I want to hear about your international studies in Dubai. What companies did you uh, get to see? Well, thanks again, both of you, for for being with us. And uh, I hope you'll listen to the show more frequently. Um, So as I mentioned, I'm heading off to Dubai uh, next week. And uh, I am going to be spending time with some CEOs from some respective companies over there. And I, I think, again, it will be a very, very interesting experience. And what I love about that part of the world is that people are really trying to take What's best, and to learn and apply that to the companies that they're trying to bring up. I've had on my show Sohail uh, Sohail Ben Taraf, who is the CEO of Tanfith, which means in Arabic uh, "get it, get it done," and uh, he's one of the few CEO leaders, CEO leaders that I knew that that I know who has come up from the ranks of uh, HR, and he's really created. A values-driven organization. He runs uh, 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 outsourcing, sort of back-office operation for uh, the bank, uh, National Bank of Dubai, I believe it is. And um, I'm going to be spending time with his senior leaders and talking about execution and and and, and how you take, you know, your values and, and your strategy and and really drive it into execution. Because Lee said it earlier, and so did Anna, that things are transparent now. And, you know, people have knowledge and people can get knowledge very, very quickly. And the real differentiator, in addition to values, is your ability to execute. And unless you have people who trust each other, who can work together on a common platform, and by common platform, I mean a common platform of values, they will operate from assumptions, they will operate from distrust they will operate from low accountability, and you will never have a high execution organization. So I'm very excited to be working with Suhailis as somebody I have a great deal of respect for. So stay with us next week because we are going to be having the show from Dubai, and I will be talking to Bruce uh, Tulgan, who has lots of brilliant information on the workforce demographics and uh the new generations coming into the workforce and what you need to think and do uh, about relative to that and some surprising information. Again, it's a privilege to have the show and have all of you great listeners and look forward to having you on board next week.
1: Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week.